This episode is sponsored by Paleo Valley. Paleo Valley's meat sticks have been a lifesaver during this hot summer. Since they're shelf stable, I always have three Paleo Valley meat sticks in my bag at all times. It's also been perfect for my boys' lunch boxes. I love Paleo Valley's grass finished beef sticks and pasture raised turkey sticks because they support US family farmers that focus on regenerative agriculture. These meat sticks are from animals that have never been fed grains, soy, corn, or GMOs and have never been given antibiotics. The spices in these meat sticks are also 100% organic. The sticks come in five different flavors, and my favorite is the original beef stick, and my boys love the teriyaki beef sticks and the original pasture raised turkey stick. Paleo Valley's meat sticks are a perfect snack and, frankly, a great value without skimping on quality. Each stick is about $2 with our discount code, and it comes in a 10 pack bag. Make sure to support this podcast and head over to paleovalley.comslash CATG and use code CATG to get 15% off your first order. Thanks for listening and supporting the Cutting Against the Grain podcast. Laura and I are just going to be talking really candid. This is what this podcast is all about. It's one thing to say, I want to eat something else that's not meat. It's a whole other thing to say, you need to eat something else that's not meat. If you notice that you're jumping from diet to diet, at a certain point, you have to wonder the only common denominator is me. Get outside, go for a walk,、yeah. get some vitamin D, breathe some fresh air, and stay happy and healthy and, and take care of yourselves. Let's just have some real talk. <laughs> Welcome to the Cutting Against the Grain podcast. Welcome back to the Cutting Against the Grain podcast. My name is Laura Spath, and I am joined by my friend and co host, Judy Cho. Judy, this is episode 101. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> we are past the triple digits.、Um, and timely enough, I guess, we want to let you guys know. So, this has been, we started this as a way for us to connect in our friendship,、um, to work through things. And it's turned into like our way of, Working through what's happening in the community, we connect with each other, like all of these good things. We kind of addressed that a little bit more last week on the 100th recap. But it is also still just a big time commitment for us.、Yes. I mean, for me to show up, and, but also Judy to edit and do all the things behind the scenes as well.、Um, and both of us just keep getting busier, right? Like we both keep agreeing and committing to so many more things. Although you play that you only spending an hour, Laura also thinks of content for us, titles and stuff. So she's totally playing like, I only come to record, but it's so not true. <laughs> yeah. So I, I think, I know it's funny. It's like, yay, in celebration, we are announcing something, but it's just. But we're still going to do it. This is Judy and I have gone back and forth. Like, how can we keep doing this podcast? It truly、yes. is a labor of love. You know, this is not something that either one of us are making money on. We have some, a couple sponsors that pay for a lot of the fees and the time that it takes to、uh, do the editing and stuff. But, you know, this is something that we do that because we want to address certain topics. And, We, you know, we've talked about do we even want to do this podcast anymore from a time perspective? And I think Judy and I both agree that, like, this is a huge part of our friendship where we get to intentionally connect with each other. And sometimes, you know, when you have two really busy people or we just all go about our lives, it's sometimes hard when you have a long distance friendship to make that a priority. And we didn't want to not do the podcast because I do think that it would just, I think over time you drift apart and you, Stop spending this intentional time together. And we didn't want to lose that. I think that's a big part of it. So we didn't want to not、right. do this. And, <laughs> and Judy needs us to be、no. consistent with something. No, no, it's not、so、funny because you、say? keep talking about just the friendship part, but I don't think it's, I think it's beyond just the friendship. I do think absolutely this will help us keep in touch. Although we talk, I mean, we text every day, but I really think our community needs this. And not only does the community need this, but we need this, right? We just need a place where we can. Feel normal and just talk about everything that's going on in the community that is not really available anywhere else, unless people are DMing their BFF online and saying, Did you see this post? What does that mean? What are your thoughts? Have you tried this? And that's what those Facebook groups are for. But really, I mean, we are in the community too. And then we just share our honest thoughts. We bring some of the science, we bring some of our history with this diet. And I think the community appreciates it. We get so many messages. 
often about how this podcast keeps them sane in this crazy diet, right? And I I do think it's about our friendship, but it's also beyond that too. I think it, I, I feel, I mean, we said this offline, but I feel a sense of duty and commitment to our community to keep this going. Even if it is a crunch on our time, um, I think it's some of the position as leaders in this community that we need to keep doing it to support this community. Yeah, so that's a big part of it is we want to keep doing this, but it is just a lot for us to do every week. So we are going to um, put out new episodes, but we're going to switch to every other week. And so you will get a brand new episode of Cutting Against the Grain still on Wednesdays, still (laughs) consistently, but every other week. Um, And then on the weeks when there is no episode, I will say I'm pretty proud of the fact that I truly think the majority of our episodes are very evergreen and could be listened to anytime. There are certain episodes and discussions that we've had that I think are helpful to listen to multiple times. And so on the weeks where there is no episode, if you're missing us. First of all, we're both everywhere else <laughs> so online. True. I know. But also, um, you can go back and listen to some previous episodes. And that way, I don't think, I think rather than us re putting out new or like previous episodes for you guys as reruns, we're just going to keep releasing new episodes. They'll just be every other week. Yeah. And our message is the same on like Laura's YouTube channel or Instagram or my Nutrition with Judy channel. Our message is not, it's not like we're different people on those channels. I know Laura releases a lot of, videos. I think it's Wednesdays or I mean, who knows Laura's schedule outside of me. There's no consistence. (laughs) For like a month, it was Wednesdays. Now it was Friday last week and then Thursday the week. Who knows? Don't ever expect (laughs) consistency for me. So it is consistent. It's just a random day of the week. So you still get something from Laura and you'll get on my, on my channel. It's on Mondays. So yeah, you could, you get that. You know, we are committed to supporting you. Again, we've been talking about a project that we've done and projects actually that we have coming out in the pipeline this year too. And it's to support you all. So we're not going anywhere. It's just, this is a smaller portion of our, I guess, workload. And we just made the hard decision. And it was really a hard decision to go every other week. Laura just said, let's just kind of play it by ear. And I'm like, no, I need consistency. (laughs) (laughs) Which I think that's good. I I do think that keeps us doing episodes because it is easy to get out of the habit. And like, once you get out of the habit of doing it, which is why we'd also debated doing like seasons. And then I think it would be hard for us to get back into the habit once we got out of it. So um, maybe there's an exception of like something really timely happens that we want to talk about. We could pop in a new episode. Um, We decided actually to put this one now because there are some timely things that we wanted to address and didn't want to wait two weeks. So we're going to start the every other week next week. But speaking of which, Judy has had a very big week kind of out of nowhere um, whirlwind. Tell everybody, which I think by the time this comes out, it'll be like a couple weeks um, later. (laughs) Well, it's it's still important. And I think it's fun. I loved hearing like kind of the behind the scenes of it. So um, you were on a big podcast recently. Um, Yeah. So tell us about it. Yeah, it's so funny because I was messaging Laura a lot with the play-by-play. So she has definitely been a rock and friend throughout this week. Actually, three podcasts of mine uh, just being featured in, and not all of them were recorded this week, but they all released this week. So it just by chance happened. And I have no book, right? So it would have been nice if people heard of me. And then Well, because you're talking about the carnivore cure is out of print. So you can get the audio version and the Kindle version, but the But a lot of people want they want the hard copy. Yes. Yes. Michaela Peterson reached out to me on Sunday night. And then the following day she literally wanted me to record. And I was honestly taking a sabbatical type of thing to work on my carnivore cure two book. But I just felt it was very important to talk about chronic inflammatory response syndrome. So I just pivoted my whole work schedule. And you guys know me with my consistency. So it was kind of an upheaval for me. But yeah, so we interviewed and we talked a lot about SIRS and how many of the carnivore community members may actually be suffering from chronic inflammatory response syndrome. And we've done many podcasts on um, this podcast about SIR, so you can, and I'll put it in the show notes, um, all the different specific episodes, but it's amazing and exciting to know that Michaela is possibly embracing it, that maybe more people can get to root cause healing besides just the diet alone. 
Yeah, that's all happened so fast. And I think even on this podcast before, we've mentioned the fact that like she likely has SIRS with so many health issues. I'm pretty sure we've talked about that on here before. <laughs> um, but just guessing based on health issues. And I think what I am learning and seeing to be true from my outside perspective right. and somebody who's not even deep in this world is that if people are on long-term carnivore and they cannot tolerate reintroducing some foods from a physical perspective, right. there is a deeper root cause issue going on. And what is found to be true in the majority of those cases at this point is that it is this chronic inflammatory response syndrome, this SIRS. Um, it's one thing to be able to be somebody like me who doesn't, who can't reintroduce foods from like a food addiction perspective. Yes. But the goal with carnivore is to go to this baseline, meat and salt potentially, or just really simple. And then you should, from a healing perspective, physically be able to add foods back in. And that's what's been so strange about Michaela is she's been doing this lion diet for so long, and yet she's never been able to reintroduce foods um, for all these years. And neither has like her dad or a lot of other people. When we look at right. these long-term carnivores... There are people who are very sick, and I've said this before, they are very broken people. They are broken physically or they are broken mentally. Right. And those are the people who stick to being strict carnivore long-term. And there's now reason to believe that the ones who are sticking to it from a physical standpoint likely have SIRS. Right. That, that's the people that I've always been advocating for. So when people were like, Judy, live a little, stop being so dogmatic about the diet, having a little bit of fruit and honey, it's no. My clientele are varieties or versions of Michaela-esque people that are sick. And for those people, they need a diet like a lion diet or beef and salt for a while. But if it's one year and they're still eating that way and they can't tolerate supplements or different types of meats or the way that it's cooked or aged, then for me, in my practice, we look deeper. And I know now that it's not just carnivore. And I know we want to believe carnivore harder is the answer, but I'm sorry, it's not. And when and you say carnivore harder, explain what you mean by that. Cause I agree. Yeah. I've definitely, it's been several years now since I've said that, but explain what you mean by when, when we hear people talking about carnivore harder, what does that mean? Yeah. So I will hear people in the space, um, say, oh, it's because you left in the seasonings or you left in the sweeteners. And for some people, it can be that if you're really sick autoimmune, I do agree go super strict. I mean, I did that for three years myself. And I'm sure there were blips where it wasn't super perfect. But I do agree to be strict for a while and remove everything you can, you can try to remove the coffee. But just again, if we think very logically, do you really think that all your health symptoms is because you've left in coffee, or because you've left in an herb or a, um, a supplement or a little bit of salt? I mean, if we just think about it, it probably doesn't make sense. Because Everyone else in the world can eat most of those foods and not have that bad of an illness. And so that's where I think if you've been relatively clean eating this way, maybe six months, maybe a year, it really depends on the individual. It's not about carnivoring harder. It's not about fasting more. It's not about um, eating the right macros or eating the right cuts or at the right times and sleeping at certain times. It is not it. And if you have to do all these crazy biohacks, all these crazy things to even feel somewhat normal, you have to dig deeper. And that is the whole message that when Michaela was open to it, that I was like, I'm, I'm all in because I need the message to get out there. It's not about me. It's about all these people. Again, 25%, 20 to 25% of people are suffering from SIRS. That means one in four and a half people are suffering from SIRS. And if that's and it's the probably case, higher in the carnivore community, totally higher, totally higher, especially the people that are finding carnivore through either Jordan Peterson, Michaela Peterson, um, who else is there? I mean, anybody who that's that anybody who's not doing it strictly just for weight loss. Right, right, right. So any of the people that are finding it through that modality is likely if they're not healing through the carnivore diet alone, then they need to dig deeper. And I just think it's a mistake. I have an episode coming up with Craig Emmerich, and he shares that the keto diet, the carnivore diet was so amazing. He did it because his wife had issues. So Maria and, and he healed so much or he was better in health because of it. But it was also because of the diet that he thought he would heal and it was the diet that actually made him prolong his diagnosis of an illness. So right. he said that he tested for Lyme with a blot test and it came out negative, even though he wasn't feeling well. And he just figured, eh, carnivore will fix whatever I'm going through. And it right. was 
two years later, when he was finally now getting debilitated, that he started really pursuing uh, testing, and he finally got diagnosed with Lyme. If he didn't believe that the diet could quote unquote fix everything, he would have tested earlier. And that's where he honestly says on my podcast, which I was genuinely surprised he said, was it was a mistake. He should have gone and tested, but he believed so much in the diet could fix everything. And that is my fear with so many people, because if you see our episode, you could tell he's suffering. And, and it's heartbreaking because I know he could offer so much to our community. So I, I just don't want to see people believe in carnivore to the point that they become debilitated and then they start pursuing things. But at a certain point, you don't know if you're going to get your health fully back. And that's that's my fear for our community. Well, in the 100th episode we recorded, I think we jokingly talked about how the next carnivore trend is going to be no salt because Michaela um, is doing no salt to try to help with this stuff. Well, now, obviously, we released that out of order of the episode you did with her. So, like, (laughs) things are a little mixed up. So, we had said that beginning of February. And then in the episode she did with you, she had mentioned that that cutting out salt didn't help. She didn't enjoy the food. She was craving salt. And it actually kind of made things worse. And so... I'm hoping that that's curbed the whole no salt thing for a little while. But um, it is interesting because she was kind of at this point too, where I watched that episode and um, with that you had with her and you could just see the light bulb moments go off. Right, She's like, no, no, I've, I've tried to address mold before. And you were like, but it wasn't the right binder. It wasn't the right, right po- protocol. And every time you said something, you could just see these light bulbs go off in her head. And there's this like, you know, moment where she thinks and she kind of realizes that this might be the answer she's been looking for her whole life. And it's just a really powerful thing to watch. Like even as somebody who doesn't have SIRS, but who understands like what this diet can do for people, you know, and I think, sorry, one of the most powerful things that she ended up clipping. And I think you and her both put on your channel was this moment where you said, look, if you want to get to a, or like, if you want to be in a place where you want to eat only meat the rest of your life, great. Enjoy that. But you shouldn't have to, from a physical standpoint, it is, that's where I think sometimes we get it weird in the carnivore space is like, it shouldn't be this goal of getting down to this like baseline. Who's the most strict for the longest. It's like really strange. I don't want to eat this way, only this way forever. And like Michaela said, she's like, I miss lettuce. Like it's not this weird. I think a couple of years ago, I realized this too and started eating pickles or like, you know, stopped stressing about what the label of the food I was eating. And I ate some mayonnaise and, you know, I have ranch dressing and things like that make it happier in my life and make it more sustainable. Cause I want to be able to tolerate more foods from a physical and mental standpoint. Like you, everybody should be able to do that. It's just a matter of then you can do what you want to do and not what you physically have to, what you, what are you limited to? I know. And this is where, I, this is where I love this, a platform like a podcast, because I can explain that just today when I shared the reel, they're saying, well, no one should be eating plants because plants are so toxic. And there's truth to that. Right. But that's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying that you, everyone should go eat plants. If Michaela wants to eat plants, the point is that she should be able to physically handle it. And what right. I'm saying is she cannot physically handle it. And after five years, that is not healing. That is a bandaid. And she fully recognizes that. And you could see it. She says throughout the whole thing, oh, it was, I chalked it up to seasonal allergies. I chalked it up to this. I chalked it up right. to that. And, and then she's realizing, oh my gosh, the whole time it might've just been mold or water damage building illness. And she wants to desperately eat other things if she has the opportunity. It's not about sure. me saying, guys, carnivore sucks. We need to add more plants. We should eat some more fiber. That is not what I'm saying. I'm saying eat all meat if that's what you choose to. That is the and freedom health-wise, of health wise, that's all you need, right? Health wise, that's all you need to yes. function. But there is some like enjoyment that people want in life from eating a variety of things and having other things. Yeah, it's it's like how she said in the episode, when my father eats something off or there was something in the steak, he has to then drink so much water and stays up all night. That shouldn't be happening. That is my right. point. And if he gets to root cause healing, Yes, you might feel a little bloat if you eat something off. You might just feel unwell. Like you say, when you travel for five days, right? Yeah. But when he eats in a restaurant, that's what she said. When he eats in a restaurant, he instantly has this like massive reaction. 
it doesn't mean that what they're cooking with in those restaurants is ideal and everybody should be having that every day, but you should not be having that type of reaction after eating in a restaurant one time, right? Like something is wrong with your health. When I eat at a restaurant one time, even if it's cooked in seed oils, like I'm fine. It doesn't start affecting me until it's like day after day. And then it's really very, again, it's very mild. I get a little puffy. My skin might, I get, might get a zit, right? Those types of things. I'm not having this massive health reaction like Jordan is or like Michaela is. Um, those things should not be happening. Agreed. Agreed. And that is the community I work with. And so I advocate for, you have to fight for harder. You have to fight for more. And this is where that whole root cause thing came from. I have clients that if they chose to, they could just eat unaged meats from the freezer day in and day out and spend tons of money on this, the fresh, cleanest, blah, blah, blah meat. Right. But they're unhappy eating that way. This is not a dogma diet. This is about getting to healing. Again, if you choose to only eat those meats, because that's what you choose is so different than what that's the only thing you can tolerate. And so right. I, I am not for dogma. And I'm not for I know, there are some carnivore advocates already that are unhappy that I'm giving this wiggle room of plants. And it almost seems like I'm saying be a flexitarian. And that is not what I'm saying. I am saying that people have and should have the resiliency in their body to be able to tolerate physically and mentally right. different foods. And so for me, with my previous eating disorder, it should be that I can occasionally have maybe sugar gets tricky because it does have an addictive component. But if I had, I don't know, some vegetables, if I can tolerate that physically and mentally, that's showing I'm healing. And right. and if I can't, then maybe I start again and I try again. But that's a point where we should be. Now, I know I could tolerate a lot of things now, but I choose to eat mostly meat on most days. And that's a choice, though. People like Michaela and Jordan do not have that choice. And that's something where our community needs to stand up for that and say, no, that's not good enough. Fight for more. Get to better health. Find your root cause. Because if they don't, they may eventually really get sick. And like, that's the thing. Like, that's the thing that we don't talk about with this illness. It's, it's shrinking your brain. Like, that's what it's doing. It's chronic inflammation that will not go down. So then what happens when you're older? Sorry. Yeah, no, that's true. I mean, that's true. It's, it's carnivore can be a powerful tool to help you discover what's going on. But it, if we're acting like it's the healing tool of everything, then there's a lot of people who are missing out on a healthy life because it can't fix everything. And I think that message is really damaging and it's hurting a lot of people that um, are not getting tested. Like you right. said with Craig, like he spent a lot of years not getting tested because he was told that every, that carnivore would heal everything. Yeah. Or, you know, Michaela has spent her whole life. Like she's, she's making do with living on the lion diet, but if you don't have to, why do you want to? Right. 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 Nobody's trying to go back to eating Oreos. That's again, not what we're saying, but right. there is like, if you wanted to eat something else, you should be able to do that. Yeah. And we need to stop making it a, well, you're not carnivoring harder. You're not doing the diet, right. right? You're wrong. And that's why you're not healing. You're, you're just not good enough. You're not perfect enough. It's all your fault. And it just goes back to that. And imagine these really sick people having to hear that about them. Like, oh, I'm not losing weight because I'm not doing the diet, right? I'm not eating the right macros. Yes. I'm not eating sufficient fat. It's my fault. Again, I'm broken. Not only am I physically broken, but I can't even handle a diet broken. Imagine what that does to sick people. And that's the people I'm always advocating for because they don't have a voice and they don't have the wherewithal when they're physically, mentally tired to advocate and say, hmm, something you're saying as a leader in the space, it doesn't add up because instead right. all they do is, you know what? My whole life I've been broken and this is just one other diet that I've been broken on that it's not working. And so again, it's me, something's just wrong with me. And we need to stop that. And I also think like, you know, we keep talking about from a physical perspective and you and I have talked extensively about this offline, but like, it's really hard when people act like from a mental perspective, like, oh, just eat carnivore. And if you're perfect enough, then all your cravings are going to go away and everything's going to get easier and you're going to wake up one day and it's going to be fixed. And you and I both know that's not true either. And I went through this huge, like disappointment 
in carnivore and in myself, when I realized and when I learned that these people who were promising me that one day I was going to wake up and all my cravings were going to go away. And that was a complete lie. And then, you know what, instead of trying to blame myself for not being perfect enough that I was still having cravings, instead of waiting and holding my breath, waiting for this day when I would wake up and no longer have cravings and expecting them all to go away. Like instead of that, I almost had this weight lifted off of me when I realized like, Hey, I'm always going to have cravings. Like you think that that would be disappointing, but I almost was able to better accept that about myself and realize that I am always going to have cravings. Okay. Now, what do I do with that? It's like I was living my life, holding my breath, waiting to be fixed and to be perfect. Instead of saying, this is something that I'm going to carry with me. How can I live my life and move forward being proactive to avoid temptations? How can I create the tools and develop the skills necessary to avoid falling off the wagon and to avoid binging and to avoid going down this rabbit hole rather than just waiting and expecting me to be perfect enough to be magically fixed. And obviously I went through this tremendous period of like disillusionment and failure and I gained a bunch of weight. This is all in carnivore, you know, and like feeling really disappointed and like mad that I was lied to about, you know, all of this. And, and then I like got my poop together and said, (laughs) things are not going to go away. So how do you figure it out and how do you deal with it? And you know what? I will tell you the minute I started focusing on that, everything started getting easier to manage. And I started being able to be consistent longer. I started figuring out my relationship with food, the tools that were necessary in order for me to not binge. Like everything, it's almost like this huge weight was lifted off of me knowing that I am still going to have cravings. And then now we can figure out learning how to deal with it. I had a similar story with carnivore as well. I believed in a lot of these fantastical things. And when I went through my own journey, I just blamed myself to be really honest. I just thought, you know what? It's because I can't just eat beef and salt and water long-term. I'm a failure. So I just uh, chalked it up to that. But then once I worked with clients, it becomes easier for me to see where it's not right. And I just started advocating for things. Well, no, some people actually do need supplements, even though it was super frowned on um, in the community. And For people to heal, they have to accept present day what it is, right? So call a spade a spade. If your situation is just that, um, yeah, maybe you'll never get over your food addiction until you actually work with a therapist or um, dissect where the food addiction is coming from or doing some of that hard work rather than just eat meat, just eat meat. And one day your gut bugs will change and there's some truth to that, but it's not going to change the emotional side to the nostalgia of food. And that's where I think if we were to just say as a carnivore community, this diet is truly amazing. It will help with satiety. A lot of the things we've all always talked about in the past, nutrient density, good fat for your hormones, enough protein for your thyroid, um, helps you with your lean body mass long-term. So there's all these benefits, your sugars uh, balanced, your insulin resistance is um, improved. But after that, you still have to do the hard work. Calories still matter. You don't want to overindulge on cheese. Um, butter. If, if you turn, yeah, or butter. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> when you are trying to relax after a hard day and you're stressed and you just turn to food, you still can't do that even on carnivore. Sure, it's a little bit better than eating sugar, but it's still not an ideal mechanism to de-stress. And, and so- you're not broken if all of a sudden you still have those cravings and those tendencies. Right. Like it's not your fault because you're not perfect enough and that you drank an unsweetened tea once or you ate a piece of sugar-free gum or you put spices on your meats or you have a cup of coffee in the morning. Like those are the, not the reasons why you're still having cravings. It's not because you're not perfect enough. It's just because there's a deeper thing going on. Right. There's a root cause issue with food. And if you can't it's the same thing from a physical standpoint. Yes. You have to address the root cause that's going on, your emotions with food. Why are you turning to food with the first place? And stop expecting this diet to magically heal you physically and mentally. Yeah, you have to use the tools to heal. And sometimes carnivore is a wonderful, magical tool. But oftentimes if there's trauma, if there's some stress in your life, if you're overeating, you have to address those. It's, it has nothing to do with the diet. At that point, it's what are you masking, even if it's with a steak, even if it's with a bunch of bacon. 
And well, the, I mean, I said this all the time, but it's the butter bites. Like how many times oh, in yeah, carnivore do we bites. see people that are using carnivore t- mm-hmm. foods and tools to just deal with, at, to replace another addiction, right? We do it. We see it with keto, obviously with, it's easier to recognize in keto because of keto treats and all those right. types of things, but it still is, you're just replacing one addiction for another. Yeah. And I mean, since I already called it out on Michaela's podcast, I mean, I'm just going to call it out. I I watched something recently where they said when there's a charlatan or somebody that's selling snake oil and they're so or and it's somebody that you really respect, but they say something so outlandish, your mind cannot comprehend that. Oh, my gosh, somebody I like is actually lying to me. So you will believe a lie even more so in outlandish because your mind doesn't want to deal with the dissonance. Your mind doesn't want to deal with, wait a minute, everything I've ever felt about this person is a lie because this doesn't make sense. And so the conversation that I'm talking about was specific for the pandemic. But I think we see that in some of the carnivore, and I'm sure it's not just carnivore specific. I'm sure it's all over the wellness space. People will say, you have to do this and that's how you will heal or that's how you will be perfect or that's how you will get thin or that's how you will be better. But sometimes it's just not that. And if they are recommending that so much, maybe what they're sharing is actually a lie. And I've never said it that blatantly. The subset of people I worked with did not look like the influencers that I would see. And I just, I was like, maybe I'm just working with the sickest, most um, heavier set people. But no, after, I don't know, three, four years now, it's not that. Actually, my community is the norm in terms of how they look. And it's more of the, what we see online that is not really reality, but we cannot face that music because then we have to deal with a lot of the stuff that we did believe at one point. And it's just at a certain point, we just have to think, actually, maybe they are feeding us lies. And I know it's so unfortunate to think that, but it's actually a possibility. Well, this kind of leads into what else we wanted to talk about today is the, this like the... (laughs) blinders are coming off, I guess, in the Ray Peak community. And right. we've, I think it's been a while, but we used to talk about that a lot more. So um, to give a little bit of backstory yes. before we get into that, the Ray Pete is a, I'll let you explain that part of it, is a man who like founded a diet. But from my understanding of it, a couple of years ago, this was one of the earlier trends in carnivore where there used to be a bunch of people who were strict carnivore. They were eating tons of organ meats and then all of a sudden they switched and they started adding tons of fruit, honey, orange juice, this raw carrot salad um, and all that kind of stuff. You see it with like, some people don't come right out and say that it's repeat, but it's all influenced by that movement. It's the carnivore Aurelius, a lot of maybe stuff that Paul does, uh, Paul Saladino, but right. there was, there was a lot of people back then. I mean, a dozen or so that were mid uh, middle of the road influencers in carnivore who all went to actual call themselves repeat diet followers. Right. Um, and there was this kind of the, this was the first round of everybody before fruit and honey stuff. It was yeah. everybody going to drink orange juice and, and eat fruit. I think at a certain point, the followers of repeat didn't want to be known as repeat followers. Um, so they labeled themselves or coined themselves pro metabolic diet or pro metabolic, meaning that we are doing a diet that is supporting our metabolism that will feed our mitochondria so that we'll have proper energy and then everything will be fixed. And their belief system essentially is it is not the sugar that is causing diabetes. The issue is that it is the polyunsaturated fatty acids, whether it came from fish, whether it came from pork, lots of the seed oil reasons, but because of those PUFAs, it is causing the cells to accumulate more fat, cause you to be insulin resistant and voila, now you're suffering with metabolic syndrome. So if you reverse that by maybe taking some Shilajat, there's like a supplement they were selling and lots of vitamin E, you could reverse some of that even faster. But really, ultimately, if you went down and whittled down to zero PUFAs, again, including omega-3s, you can't eat any of that, then you can actually start really reversing the root cause issue of your diabetes. And by drinking orange juice, right. they were there. They drink a lot of maple syrup. They right. eat a lot of fruit, but they won't eat chicken or pork that's conventionally raised. Those types of things, or fish. So yeah. Think about people we know in this, like that used to be carnivores, <laughs> maybe that are kind of preaching that that diet. Do you want me to read that tweet that I sent you that kind of started us having this? I forget. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I pulled it up. 
So I, Max Lugavere, who was on Joe Rogan recently, which I, I, we never actually ended up recording that episode we talked about, but it's a good, if you go back and listen to it, but um, Max Lugavere tweeted and said, just learned that a pretty influential Ray Pete-esque diet guru who was drinking orange juice, maple syrup, and other simple sugars on the regular found out that he was pre-diabetic and is now going zero carb from one extreme to the other. Be careful who you follow folks, which is interesting because- we talk so much about that. And then somebody replied to him, Ethan Hayes said, be careful who you follow. Yes. Also be most careful of taking anyone's advice blindly, no matter how trustworthy, set up a test with a measurable outcome, you know, uh, example, using CGM for added carbs to your diet, the data will tell you how your body reacts. So I think that's addressing the specifics of that movement of people saying that these carbs don't, you know, like those sugars, since they're simple sugars, don't affect your blood sugar. Yeah. So the person is Matt Blackburn. Um, he's a big, he's kind of a biohacker, but he is one of the people that founded a lot of the supplements. And I remember specifically when I was writing my rape blog post that everyone that was in some type of influencer was selling his supplement. So everyone would say poofas are so bad. Here's one supplement that can help further excrete all the poofas in your system. And then everything will be fixed. And, and then they would use his code and his supplements. Well, uh, fast forward time. And I, I remember distinctly seeing one uh, reel or post or something of his where he was dowsing his, um, I don't know how he made those pancakes, but he was making pancakes and using a lot of maple syrup. And again, he would not touch poofas, not even a drop of any bits of fish or chicken or pork or anything, because again, poofas were so bad. He was supplementing a lot of vitamin E because it's supposed to counteract. And Lo and behold, he's pre-diabetic. And I talked to him offline and we may do a podcast. I'm just kind of hesitant a little bit just because in our community, I just feel like I'm walking into enemy territory and I'm telling you the rapey people hate me because I have a blog post that does really well. So when people are searching for pro rapey content, my thing comes up. And so they hate me for that. <laughs> Which I think actually Matt did a podcast like anti-Judy like in the past. So if you went on and out, it would be interesting. But yeah. It's interesting now he's going low carb to reverse that, but right. he's also saying, I'm not calling it low carb or zero carb because I want to have the flexibility to eat what I want with my friends when I go out once a week. So like, he's like, I'm doing low carb, but I'm going to have a cheat day occasionally, which is again, if you're a healthy person, you should be, I think that's what a lot of people do if they're a healthy person, uh, especially somebody like him who works out a lot and all right. these things, but clearly you know, he looks fit, he looks lean, he works out all the time. And even his body, this is where I think it's interesting, the whole Saladino thing. And I think maybe he just hasn't been doing it long enough, but people are like, yeah, if he wants to eat that many carbs, it's fine. He's fit. He goes surfing all the time. He's lean. Like, guess what? He's never been obese before. You don't know what's happening to his blood sugar and all those things. And somebody like Matt, is it Matt? Yeah. Somebody like Matt, you never would have imagined by looking at him that he was pre-diabetic. Right. And just because somebody is fit and works out a lot and then eats a ton of sugar doesn't mean their body's actually handling it well. There's so much. The reason I want to bring up this whole topic is let's think about the the thought with this whole this whole diet. So Matt is now saying that maybe the diet was wrong, and he he's is, coming hard against it. I know, I know, hard. So and now he's going low carb. And then when we messaged, he basically said I had some doubts about the diet. Oh, and we didn't even mention that Ray Pete oh. passed away. So, yeah. and, then, and then Ray Pete passed away, I guess, in December. No one really knows what happened. I think he's 86 years old, which is a pretty decent age, but it was sort of sudden. And that for Matt just made him even further realize that diet's probably not ideal. And so he decided I was already having my doubts. And then that the death just really catapulted him to switch. And then using CGMs, he's seeing his blood sugar go up to the 200s. And again, this guy is very young. He's thin. And if you think about it, though, again, the the whole premise is that it's PUFAs that are causing diabetes. He went super hard against PUFAs, took the vitamin A, I mean, vitamin E, and he still became pre-diabetic. So that means maybe that the PUFA argument is so silly, right? right. And and no one's talking Which about that part. Which we've been saying for years. Yes, thank you. And that that just go. And so now, because he's been so omega-3 deficient, even though he thinks it's vitamin A, I really think it's omega-3s. But 
he's swigging cod liver oil. So he has like these big bottles and I, I don't know how much, how much, um, how many servings are in one bottle, but he's finishing one, jo- uh, one glass, which is a lot in five days because he's swigging it, which is a ton of poofas. So think about it, but he says he feels better. From adding all those poofas back in. Yes. But, and he believes it's the vitamin A content in the cod liver oil. I think that's a poison actually, but I really think it's the omega threes that he's been lacking. Because he's been so scared of like fish and yeah. pork and all those other things. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And I think this is going to cause like, just like we think the carnivore drama or trends or whatever is happening, like is so specific to us, like every one of these diet sects and trends and whatever, like this is causing a major thing. And like you said too, the death of Ray Pete himself has been causing this like pretty big ripple effect in that mm-hmm. community. And like, you know, I never heard of a lot of these people or know this stuff, but it's like that whole world is just as big to them as our world is sure. to us. And it's this whole thing. So it's interesting though. But I, I mean, to me, this is one of those things that just never has made logical sense. And I chalked it up, I mean, to, to not understanding the science, but I also just think it doesn't make sense. How can you eat yeah. as somebody who was obese? How can you eat that much sugar and it not cause a sugar issue? Right. And People are just focusing on the sugar part, which is a huge part, right? So it's showing that probably eating sugar is not ideal. You're likely going to get diabetes or have fatty liver eventually. I know a lot of people say Paul Saladino is healthy because look at his blood sugar, but have we ever done an ultrasound on his liver? I mean, we've never done those things. And so he could be secretly getting a fatty liver and we just don't know. I'm not. And how long has it been too? I mean, he is healthy. So it's, it's going to take like, you don't develop diabetes overnight. Right, right. And Yeah. And we don't know his personal fat threshold and lots of other things. But again, what we're missing with this conversation with this whole repeat thing is, well, well, then what does that mean about the PUFA conversation? So does that mean that we've been wrongfully fear mongered about the chicken and pork and even the seed oils to an extent? I know seed oils aren't good, but I mean, just a little bit, right? But it's so demonized at this point, especially because of the polyunsaturated fatty acids, which is an essential fat, by the way. But That means that all of that is also not true because the PUFAs, the fundamental, the whole argument actually stems from a lot of the research that Ray Pete did. And that part, when Paul Saladino talks about his PUFA stuff and that sugar's not an issue, a lot of his research is based off of Ray Pete, even though he never publicly says it. Yeah, that's what it's definitely all the same concepts. I mean, when you see and you start reading about the concepts, that's the thing too about, I don't know probably shouldn't say this, but about Paul is that he seems to borrow his research from a lot of other places. And when he was in carnivore, it mirrored a lot of research that other people had done. And now it mirrors a lot of the research that Ray Pete has done. And so it's interesting. I don't know. We obviously you and I are not like paranoid of seed oils and we have that whole episode. I think they're not great. You shouldn't be cooking with them. You shouldn't be drinking them. But again, if you are eating in a restaurant or it's the last ingredient listed on a bottle of seasonings, you'll be okay. Like those are the types of things that I get a little like irritated about. Those are not the things that are causing you issues. And so this, it, what will be interesting is what happens over time. Like, does this cause a ripple effect where people stop talking about PUFAs? But the problem, they need to make the association first. So right now everyone's talking about the sugar part of it, but people have to understand then what does that mean for then PUFAs? Because remember they, they were eating sugar because they assumed it was the PUFAs. So then what happens then? And I, I just find it to be so interesting because yeah, re- recently, uh, Paul, as much as he's never said he's a Ray Peter, although he, I, I think I've heard him say before in an interview that he believes Ray Pete is a brilliant man. He did a, a video or something recently about how orange juice is a healthy food and people should be drinking orange juice. And it's like, oh, I wonder if you're following Ray Pete secretly behind closed doors. When it goes against logic, Again, we don't want to believe that Paul's the greatest person to bring up in this example because we all love Paul, right? He was charismatic, bright. I helped him with his graphics in his book. We all thought he would be a great carnivore leader. And then he turned. And so when he brings up Poofas for a lot of the people that still respect him and uh, trust a lot of his content, we just automatically believe because it is too much for our brain to compensate or to believe that this man is now not sharing ideal science. And so we just automatically believe because of everything we believed prior. And this is what I'm talking about. It's, but at a certain point we have to pause and go, actually, they might not be right. And it's so hard for our brain to comprehend that. 
And the same thing's happening in carnivore, though, when we see people flip-flopping to one extreme to the other, to this trend, to that trend, right. to that trend. At no point are we asking, like, wait a second, I'm at what point do you open your eyes and say, like, maybe there's something going on here that's not being told, or maybe there's some truth that's not being shared, or like maybe this can't be accurate. But like we believe somebody so much sometimes that we have a hard time seeing past what they're telling us. I mean, or like even stepping back and thinking about it logically. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, why do people that are over five years carnivore have to keep changing their diet? I mean, if something's not broken, why look at in and out, they literally have two items on their uh, menu and uh, like a couple drinks and that's it. And, and they've never changed it in the, however many years they've been open or decades because it works. So if, if you're eating the same way and you're so healthy now, Why are people changing their carnivore diet, even if it's the macros, unless secretly something's not working, right? It's just, let's just take a logical hat. It's just, I get frustrated because how this impacts my clientele and community is that then they blame themselves. They said, I didn't do the butter right. I didn't do the high fat right. I didn't do the lean days right. Dave Feldman, I just interviewed him. I don't know when the episode's coming out. He actually talks about, so, you know, he's a cholesterol guru, like the person. We talked about seed oils. He says, eh, the jury's kind of out about it. I mean, yes, don't cook with it. And like, he said similar things to you of, but I'm not really that worried. And he said, it's just the dose makes the poison. I'm not going to not go to restaurants because of some seed oil. So again, the person that you go to for cholesterol that affects heart disease, and he's saying, I'm not too worried about it. Right. But then there's still one or two people who are freaking out the most about seed oils. And then literally every time I post a video of what I'm ordering in a restaurant, Dr. Barry posted a video the other day about how he ordered from McDonald's. And first of all, McDonald's does not use seed oils on their hamburger patties. But like the entire comment section is people freaking out and really, but the seed oils, (laughs) those additives, the vaccines in the beef, the, <laughs> like, it's just ridiculous. And so it's, you know, that kind of stuff, but where, who's saying that, right? It's the right. one or two people that are saying that, that just gets everybody all worked up about it. Right. And it just goes back to, again, you trust. Why are you believing that yes. person? Because they have a million followers on Instagram. Like ch- maybe they're just really good at making viral reels. Like it's just, that's all that it is, that it's all that it means. I mean, think about social media in itself. Who has the most followers of all the people in the big time social media? It's celebrities. So what does that mean? Celebrities are actors and actresses and they perform. And those are the people that do well on social media. So then in the wellness space, do you think the people that do well also are performers? Right. It'll, it'll definitely be interesting to see. There was a lot of carnivores that moved on. I think the strong sisters, um, I think a lot of the new carnivores don't even know who they are, but. Well, they also had a lot of mold issues, right? I don't really, I never really kept up with it, but they had a lot of mold issues that they shared and something like that. So that's a whole other conversation, Mm -hmm. but that was, yeah. Yeah. So um, it'll be interesting if they change anything that they share. It'll be interesting if Paul um, also brings up anything or if they just completely ignore Matt. But I mean, I know Matt is just an N equals one, but I mean, again, it's just. Well, based on their science, anybody that removes all PUFAs and then supports it with high dose vitamin E can heal. And he, I don't think ever had diabetes. And then it actually became, he became a sufferer of prediabetes and he was doing the vitamin E and all the stuff that Ray P advocates for. And now he's gone the complete opposite, eating low carb, sharing his uh, screenshots of CGMs going in the 200 range after meals. And saying he needs to change because he doesn't feel well. And then collecting stories from people who also have been <laughs> like had bad experiences on this diet. It's crazy. Yeah, I saw that too. So he's been sharing in stories of, hey, if you suffered from the Ray P diet or the pro-metabolic diet, please share and I will share it. And I think he has a highlight and I'll, I'll link to it. He has a highlight on his page where he just shares... Um, all the people that have been adversely affected. Now, I'm sure there's people in the carnivore space that have been adversely affected. So I'm not going to act like carnivores fixing everyone. I'm sure people but have. We, had- that's the point is we're not saying it will. That's what I think. We're not, That's the difference is yes. that there, there was claims saying that that would fix everything. And this is the answer for you. And you have to do this. And 
you have, it's the PUFAs and it's definitively, these are the things that it is. And I think that's what we don't want carnivore to get to. Yes, yes. And that's why I think, I feel like we've been talking about the same thing for weeks, but like, this is what it is. It's, we don't want carnivore to get to this point where it is saying it is definitively this. It is not. There is something else going on that you have to address. It's definitively serves. No, I'm no. just kidding. It, we're saying that you have to figure that out and then you can eat what you want to eat, right? right like meat right. has all the nutrients you need, but then beyond that, you should be able to tolerate a few other foods that you can handle. And uh, we don't want to get to the point where we are like other diet communities that say that that's the only way to do it. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's exactly it. I mean, there's a whole discussion about if carnivore is really reversing diabetes and insulin resistance, and it might just be a mechanism to support it, right? So maybe you will never not be diabetic if you were to eat sugar again and then you notice your blood sugar goes up and for the long term. But if you can handle your diabetes without medication on a carnivore diet or a meat-based diet and you could do it for 30 years, even if your diabetes is never gone but that it's um, that it's managed, I say that's a win, right? right. Um, people argue that, oh, you're just band-aiding the diabetes with a diet. Well, if you're not taking medication, I call that a win. I just think that we need to not say carnivore fixes everything because that is where, as we're saying, it could become like a repeat diet. It can become something it's selling that while it has so much promise, we are overselling it. And then people will not fight for even more healing by looking at other things that can also be affecting their lives. Yeah, absolutely. Just know that if your body is showing symptoms of healing, know that's probably the right way to eat. And if it's not, just don't always blame yourself. I feel that we have become a society where we just self-hate and self-harm. And sometimes it's not us. Um, we can try our best and it doesn't have to be perfect. Our bodies have resiliency and, and we just have to give ourselves more credit than that. And sometimes, sometimes we do need to fix things that we're doing with the diet. But generally speaking, if it's not working and someone's selling something that promises if you do it this way, then everything will be fixed and it's not happening for you. It's probably not you and it's probably the other person. Right. I think that is all we have for today. Uh, we hope you guys have an amazing week. We will have a new episode for you in two weeks. All right, guys, we'll talk to you later. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to the Cutting Against the Grain podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to share and leave us a review and leave any comments and questions on Apple Podcasts. We will read and answer your questions and comments on an upcoming podcast episode. This also helps us to share our real talk with more community members. You can also find me on my other podcast, Nutrition with Judy, on all podcast channels. You can also follow my content on Nutrition with Judy's Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. You can find Carnivore Cure in paperback, ebook, and audio on Amazon. I also have a blog post and weekly newsletter with nutrition and wellness updates. You can sign up at nutritionwithjudy.com. You can find Laura on Instagram at Laura East Bath. You can follow along on her daily stories and see some of her funny skits. You can also find Laura on her YouTube channel where she shares tips on living a meat-based lifestyle. If you're wondering how much meat to eat in a day, week, or month, Laura has you covered. She also shares how to make a perfect sear on a steak and how extended fasting looks like in real life. You can find her YouTube channel by searching Laura's Bath. Thanks again for listening to the Cutting Against the Grain podcast. And remember, make sure to cut against the grain. Cut against the grain.